Welcome to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast for couples who struggle with infertility and want to fulfill their dreams of becoming parents. To access previous episodes packed with ideas, solutions and tips that actually work, head over to Dr. Chapman's IVF podcast on iTunes. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1-800-111-483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. Hi there. So today I thought I'd take you through what's happened to me today. As you know, do talks on a regular basis on the podcasts. But in addition to talking, I also see patients and also treat patients. So today, the, the day started with an embryo transfer lady who'd had three transfers before and been unsuccessful. And this was her last embryo that was in storage and so very precious. We've done lots of investigations to see if there's any cause as to why we haven't got her pregnant in the first three transfers. This embryo was genetically tested and is absolutely normal. And so fingers are crossed. The transfer involves basically a pap smear. So patient is in the side room next to the laboratory and I put a speculum inside the vagina to find the cervix. We clean away the cervix or cervical mucus and any other debris that might be around from the hormone preparations that we put in the vagina and generally do an ultrasound and to make sure which way the uterus is facing if we are not sure. Then once that's happened, we take a very fine tube and place that inside the neck of the womb. It's basically a guiding tube. It's quite stiff. We wouldn't want to push it inside the uterus because it might damage the lining of the womb. Once I'm in that position, then I call the scientist and she loads the embryo into a much more floppy, soft tube. Once it's loaded and the patient has identified herself with the scientist to make sure that there isn't any possibility of mixing up the embryos, and I've checked her identification, and we've even got to the stage now where we're, we're checking driver's licenses to be sure that we're putting the right embryo in the right patient. Scientist then brings the embryo in that soft tube and we thread it down the guiding tube up into the uterus and the scientist injects the 0.5 mil of culture medium which contains the embryo into the middle part of the uterus. And once all that's done and the embryologist has then checked that the embryo hasn't stuck in the tube, we then basically take out the speculum and I sent the patient off home. There's no evidence that lying on the bed for any length of time afterwards makes any difference whatsoever to pregnancy rates. The embryo at that point is nicely stuck between the front wall and the back wall of the uterus which are directly opposed to each other. I describe it as sliding it between the sheets. It won't fall out. That's not a reason for not getting pregnant. So this lady this morning uh, went through that procedure and all went very straightforwardly and we can only cross our fingers now for the next 10 days waiting for that pregnancy result. Needs to say she's extremely anxious. 
but I attempted to reassure her that what will be, will be. With an embryo that's genetically normal, uh, the odds of a pregnancy are in excess of 50-50. We'll wait and see. So from there I came back to my rooms and started to see patients. The first patient, as unfortunately, is a regular event. Someone that had been through their first cycle of IVF, an embryo was put back and unfortunately she didn't conceive. She was devastated. Uh, one of the hardest parts of my job is picking people up after that expectation of a pregnancy, after everything that you've gone through, ends up with bad news. This lady is even more upset because she's come from overseas, uh, from an Asian country where there isn't much IVF, and in the hope of, of achieving a pregnancy. Her visa only has a few months to go before she has to return to her country. We tried to explain why it didn't work. The reality is that in any IVF cycle, even with a good embryo, the chances of success are around 40% per transfer. Therefore, 60% of patients that I take through an IVF cycle are going to be sitting there in front of me saying, why not? And I really can't give them a reason in most cases. Fortunately, this lady has a second embryo produced, which is now in storage in the tank, and we began planning her transfer in the next month. Hopefully, that will be successful. The next patient had a hysterosalpingogram done last month as part of her workup for infertility. They've been trying for 15 months and not got pregnant, so I'd commenced doing the various investigations, sperm tests, blood tests, and the x-ray to show that her tubes are open. And I was looking through her results before she came in the room and all, everything had shown to be normal. So she came in with a big smile on her face and the smile was because she'd missed a period. And indeed her pregnancy test was positive. She had conceived. There is an increased pregnancy chance after having your tubes flush through. We don't totally understand why, but possibly there are mucus plugs in the fallopian tube that get flushed out with the x-ray. Minor adhesions may also be broken down by doing the hysterosalpingogram or hycosing. So she's having another blood test next week and I'll be scanning her in another 10 days time to show hopefully a viable ongoing pregnancy. She was delighted. I took full credit for that pregnancy. We laughed about that. The next lady was someone who has had IVF in another country with donor eggs and my concerns with overseas clinics fortunately was confirmed. Yes, this lady has conceived and despite my best endeavours to suggest the maximum of two embryos being replaced, she had four embryos replaced in this other country. And although her scan hasn't been done yet, her pregnancy hormone levels are so high, I'm terrified that she's going to end up with more than twins. But we'll find that out in the next 10 days or so. Then the next lady was a lady with a previous diagnosis of polycystic ovarian syndrome. 
And she was interesting in that she'd seen a number of specialists in relation to her hormonal abnormalities, each giving differing opinions about whether or not she had polycystic ovaries or not. The conclusion at the end of it, from my perspective, given the ultrasound evidence of multiple follicles, i.e. polycystic ovaries themselves, the fact that she has acne and irregular periods also indicated polycystic ovarian syndrome. She was keen to get pregnant again, to get pregnant soon, and so I've started her on letrozole to stimulate ovulation and hopefully achieve a pregnancy. The last patient of the morning was interesting in that she, sadly, having got married relatively recently at the age of 38, has had two miscarriages, the last one of which unfortunately due to, a tri to an abnormality in the chromosomes called a trisomy and that, that pregnancy when that was discovered needed to be terminated. She and her husband are extremely anxious not to have a genetically abnormal baby in the future to the point that although they conceived naturally they want to have the embryos genetically tested beforehand to exclude that as a possibility of miscarriage or of having a child with genetic abnormalities. I thought that was a reasonable request and we are moving forward to do egg collection, IVF, embryo biopsy and put back a euploid embryo. I made it quite clear that doesn't necessarily mean she won't have another miscarriage nor that an embryo that's normal may not even implant because there are multiple factors involved in ongoing pregnancies. But it certainly reduces her chances of miscarriage. Again, they're starting on a journey, and we discussed the ups and downs that potentially are going to occur, which compared with having a pregnancy terminated for chromosomal abnormality, they felt was going to be minor. It had been devastating for them. So quite a morning, and I hope out of my consults this morning the patients were comfortable with what I told them and that their future was planned hopefully with the pregnancies that they desperately want. And don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. Thank you for listening to The IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast which helps couples negotiate their way through the IVF journey all the way to parenthood. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1800 483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au.